joy to be with you. Thank you very much. If you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's stand together if you don't mind, and we'll just read these four verses out loud together. Then we'll go to another passage of Scripture in the book of Psalms after that. 1 Peter chapter 5, and of course, Pastor has given us this opportunity to consider this passage. Every single lesson that he has asked us to speak on has been birthed out of these verses right here. And I've been so blessed uh, to hear them and to participate participate with you. It's my first time to officially uh, be here in Canada for a pastor's meeting. And my goodness, I have made some friends and been so blessed by the faithfulness of God's people. Thank you for punching a hole in the darkness with the gospel of Christ in your place. And then Cornerstone Baptist Church, my goodness, we tip our hat to you. And thank you for being faithful to host us and to allow us such a privilege to be an extension of your love uh, to Canada, to the, uh, the work of God, and to all of us who enjoyed your hospitality. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 1. I'll read verse 1, and we'll all read 2 and 4 together. I'll read 1 and 3. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, very good. Would you take your Bibles now and turn to Psalm 78? Psalm 78. Thank you for having a Bible. Aren't you glad God gave us the Bible? Yeah. Gave us a thing. Boy, what a great testimony. Each night we've heard great testimonies. Last night, thank you so very much, Brother Eric, and of course tonight, Brother Maud and uh, Miss Mitra, and then of course on, uh, on Wednesday night, another beautiful, beautiful testimony for the Lord. And I thank God for that. I love what he said. You know, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you carry a big Bible. No, no, because you have love one for another. And in our church services and in our, in our gathering, the only badge of discipleship an unsaved person can recognize is they have love for each other. And that ought to be obvious. We ought to have a, be a place where God's name is exalted, God's word is heard, and God's love is obvious and obviously felt and spread across. And I appreciate that testimony. It's a blessing me so much and just reminded me oh how I need to and by the way your pastor can do some of those things he can preach the word of God he can remind us of Christ but the truth of the matter is we have a job to make ourselves a welcoming committee of one <laughs> and we need to love the people around us and uh, don't come in just to sit and soak and then sour <laughs> uh, come in and say who can I be a blessing to what can I do uh, it'll cost you a little bit but it's all right that's what Calvary's all about is the cost and we need to pass that on. Uh, psalm 78, and it's one of the longer psalms in the Bible. We'll not read all of it, but I want you to look at chapter, uh, the first part of it, verse number 4. And the Bible says, we will not hide them, or pick up verse 3, which we have heard and have known from our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our, their children, showing to the generation to come the praise of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which uh, he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Would you read, if you would, please, uh, verse number 6 and 7 with me, everyone? 
If you would please go to the end of the book or the end of the chapter and verses 70, 71, and 72. And let's read that together, everyone out loud. Psalm 78, 70, 71, 72. He chose David also his servant and took them from the sheepfold. From the following of the ewes, um, brought them to be people. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart. And guided them. Our Father, thank you for the joy of being a part of this gathering. My goodness, what a sweet time Linda and I have had just interacting with our brothers and sisters here in this country. Thank you, Lord, for the great kindness and hospitality, the invitation from Pastor Rice and the beautiful people of the Cornerstone Baptist Church. Now help us as we conclude our service this evening. I do not know... Um, what everyone needs tonight. And I know one thing, you don't need me. <laughs> That's obvious. That's never been really a, a consideration. But Lord, again, I do need you. And I want to be used of you. And I pray you'd please help me to be a blessing in the few moments we're together. Thank you for the time, the effort, the energy, the expense that people have put together to come and be in this room. Thank you for our precious ladies watching the nursery and and those who are, who are functioning as audiovisuals and helping in different ways, I pray that you would be glorified and help us, we ask. Meet with us on both sides of the pulpit. May everyone experience what it means to have the Spirit of God helping them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. And Before we go to the message, of course, pastors ask us to talk about servant leadership. That is the topic that we've been assigned for this very last session. And uh, that's a broad subject, and it's an important subject. The Bible, Jesus said, the greatest of these is a servant of all. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus, who being God, not thought robbery to be equal with God, but to, made himself a no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. Uh, right just hours before he would be arrested and uh, falsely accused and tried and beaten and hung on a cross, he took a towel and a basin and wash the disciples' feet, even the one who would betray him moments later. He, uh, he washed their feet, showing them an example that we need to love and serve one another. And I thank God for that. As I think about, uh, of course, our First Timothy, where pastor has chosen to make our text this week, it, uh, First Timothy, First Peter. And uh, Peter, of course, was the man that God, uh, through his son Jesus, challenged him to pastor and to serve, not to self-serve himself by going off and do whatever he wanted to do vocationally, but to do what God had made him to do, and that was to shepherd people under his direction. I think about one young man I heard. He was a new, new pastor, and he was really excited about it, and he would visit the people, and I think it's important to visit people. I really do. One of the things I decided when I was 32 years old and I was a pastor, I thought what pastors do, I decided that I was going to try to visit someone every day I possibly could. I haven't been 100% successful in the 23 years I've been a pastor. But if I can, I try to leave my office, my home, and go and stand on someone else's doorstep, someone else's office, someone else's room uh, every day of my life. Now, sometimes I can only do it five out of seven days. But it's my goal every day. 
And in a lot of those conversations, I've had a chance to lead people to Christ or engage in conversations with them, help them by being where they are. And, and we couldn't, so what Jesus set the model. We couldn't get to where he was. He came to us. And, and he said, you'll show your love by me when you go visit me. And they said, when do we visit you? He said, well, when you do it to anyone, you do it unto me. And I think it's important that we do that. I read an old uh, statement that was made by Chalmers years ago, recorded by a guy named Theodore Kyler, who was a great pastor in New York City years ago. And he, he said this, a house-going pastor makes church-going people. Make more visits, you'll probably have more people coming back reciprocating in the building. And obviously, a, a God doesn't judge a church by its size, but by its Christ-likeness. But I, I think it's better when we have more opportunities to minister to people. But that will not happen because you sit and study and hope they'll come. It's going to come between when work in the fields and continue to visit and interact with God's people and with those who are without Christ. And uh, they'll tell you things in their parlors, in their living rooms, in their offices. They'll never tell you at the back door shaking their hands on the way out on a Sunday morning. There needs to be some time of engagement with that. I remember I heard about a young man. He went to a, a, a door and visited one of the church members. And he knocked on the door and uh, he heard people inside. He knocked again. And he kind of just kind of frustrated, rung the doorbell. No one came to the door, and it was really kind of bothering him, you know, because he knew they were there. He knew they heard him, but they did not respond. And so he just kind of took a piece of paper out, and he wrote on there, came by to see you, thought you were home, but uh, didn't get a chance to talk to you. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And he thought he was pretty smart about that situation until he got a door under his door on uh, Sunday morning. He said, Dear Pastor, I saw you tried to stop by. We're sorry we weren't able to come to the door. Genesis 3.10. I heard thy voice in the garden, and I hid myself because I was naked. <laughs> and, and uh, boy, he, uh, some of these folks have some real good Bible knowledge. Amen. <laughs> And I was ashamed and hid myself. I think that's what happened on that situation. But you know, it's important that we learn to visit and love people and serve people. People who do not trust you will not trust what you tell them. And it's important. Thinking about love, I, years ago I thought about this acrostic, and I'll just share it with you just for, just for food for thought. If you want to express love and you want people to know you love them, there's a couple ways you can uh, practically demonstrate that. You know, the acrostic of love, L-O-V-E, L-O-V-E. Number one, uh, listen to the Holy Spirit because he'll help you love people. Listen to the Holy Spirit and be sensitive to him. Sometimes God will tell you this person needs a phone call, this person needs a text, or give some attention. How many of you feel like sometime in your life God has, has rung your bell on those things sometimes? Yeah. I'll never forget one time I was driving and I was just a, I was, and then the Lord brought to my mind a man named Clive Baptist. He's not saved. Uh, to my knowledge, he's not saved now, but, but uh, God was working on him. And I tried to talk to him about the Lord. And he would come to church occasionally. His wife came to know Christ. His three children came to know Christ. But he wasn't saved. And it felt like, man, the Lord saw me. I said, well, Lord, please bless Clive. Wherever he's at, please work in his heart. And I just kept driving. And it was like the Lord like, said, you know, that's not enough. I want you to text him or call him. So I just reached down and I called him. I pulled over on the side of the road and called him. And, 
And he said, I said, hey, Pastor, this is Pastor Wilkes and Clive. How you doing? He goes, how'd you know? I said, how'd know what? He goes, we're in the hospital right now with my daughter, Annabelle. We're in the emergency room. He said, who told you? Someone tell you from the school? Or who, how'd you know? How'd you know she was sick? I said, I, I didn't know she was sick, but the Lord loves you, and he probably just let me know. He said, I can't believe it. So what hospital are you in? He goes, I'm at this hospital. I, said, I, I was three blocks from that hospital. In just a few minutes, I walked into that, uh, that emergency room, and Clyde could not believe it. He just like, who told you? And I saw his little girl laying on the bed there, and I saw him and saw his wife across the bed, and, and he was just like, oh, man. Boy, I can't believe you. Could, you. could you pray? Could you pray? And I prayed with him. And he, for forever, he kept saying, I don't know how you knew that. You know, I wonder how many times I missed hearing from the Holy Spirit. How many times have I just would have responded to him? If you're going to love people, you're going to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and respond to him. Obey every spiritual impulse the Spirit of God gives you. Whatever he tells you, just, just do it. If, he thinks, if you think about someone, write them a note. Call them. Uh, reach out to them. Text them. Go visit them. I think so many times we need to learn to be sensitive to the precious promptings of the Holy Spirit of God because he knows the mind of God. Number two, listen to people's names and learn them. Learn people's names. There's, the Bible has over 2,300 names in the Bible. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were going to write one book to mankind, I probably would not have put all those names in there. But I didn't write the Bible. You know who did? God. He loves names. He loves his names. Ten rules. One of them, don't take the name of God in vain. Eighty names and are written by the Apostle Paul. He, he wrote them out. I think names are important. To show your love for people, learn their names. Try to learn their names. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to their hurts and seek to help them. You can't help everybody, but there are many people that you can help. I don't really want to ask people how they're doing. They might tell me. <laughs> and then it gets expensive. Sometimes they'll say, oh, how you doing? Oh, it takes time, effort, energy, money sometimes to help them with their difficulties. But that's a great way to demonstrate love. Listen to their children and respond to their children. There's something about helping a man or a woman's child, giving them love and attention that really endears you to them. I think it's a great way. L-L-O. Open your heart to everyone. All of us have prejudice. All of us have bias inside of us. It's because we all have pride. Okay? But God wants, he's not a respecter of persons. If you're going to demonstrate love, you must open your heart to everyone. You can open your home to many. Listen, if you've got a house, you've got an apartment, use it for the Lord. Uh, Linda and I have had the joy to have hundreds and hundreds of people in our home. And just this recently had the joy to lead a couple to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, led numbers of people in, the, in our sunroom, in our living room to Christ. I don't know how to cook. I would burn water. <laughs> you don't want to eat. You don't eat anything. I cook. I can't cook. But uh, Linda can cook and I can talk. <laughs> and so, and I can eat. All right. Uh, you know, I'm in shape and round as a shape. <laughs> I'm struggling with that. I need to pray for me. I may be allergic to food. Every time I eat it, I swell. <laughs> and uh, got some issues. But, you know, I, I love, I, but Linda, will, she'll prepare a meal. She'll put the table out. She'll get, and we invite people to come, usually some saved people, then some lost people, so they can connect with each other, and we can work on that. It, it's sometimes you can open your home 
Everybody maybe can't do that, but many of us could. You say, well, when I get a big house, if you won't open your home when you got a one-bedroom, you probably won't open if you had a mansion. Sometimes you just use what you have, and God can enlarge what you have. Open your wallet when able. Open your, open your heart to everyone. Open your home to some. Open your wallet when able. It's going to cost you something to love people. You'll not do it on, 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 and keep everything that you have. You can't, uh, you, you, can, you can give and not love, but you can't truly love and not give. Amy Carmichael's responsible for saying that, but it's a true statement. And then open your Bible for answers. Listen, when it comes to loving people, the best thing you can do for them is tell them what the Bible says. When people ask you a question, I'll say, you know what, well, let me just think. What does, what does the Bible say about that? When you have experienced Christians who have problems, ask them. What do you think God wants us to do here? Sometimes they don't like to hear that. But that's where you can get the greatest help. There's a way that seemeth right to the man, but the end thereof is a ways of death. You want to put to death potential and, and blessings and good things? Yeah, just do whatever you want to do. But as for God, His way is perfect. Yeah, open your Bible. And then I would say B represents visit. Visit anyone who has a difficult time. If you've got someone that has a difficult time, go see them. A lot of folks say, well, I'm sure they got plenty of people. Don't take that for granted. When someone has a death, someone has an illness, someone has a challenge, hey, try to go to where they are and visit anyone that may be struggling, anyone that's on the bubble. Go see them. Visit every day if possible. You say, Pastor, I'm not a pastor, but you know, many of us, we have time. We could swing by someone's house on the way home from work. We could stop by someone's office. We could say, I'm going to try to get by and see them today to give them a track or to speak to them or just pray with them about a matter. I think many of us, and we, we don't all have to have the office of a pastor to, be a, to pastor people and to shepherd people's hearts. Visit daily if you can. And go see them and, and spend time with them. And Jesus, Jesus visited us. We should visit other people for sure. And then lastly, express your love. Express it in words. I think it's sometimes you don't have to go up and say, I love you. <laughs> you don't, some people might slap you in, in the face and think you're a weirdo, you know. You wouldn't want to do that. But I think some things you can say to them, you're important to me. You're important to God. We've been praying for you. And uh, I'm asking God to help you. Is there anything I can do to be of help to you? You make good things a lot better. I'm glad you're here today. There can be simple things you can say that all say in words, you're important to God and you're important to me. Something like words fitly spoken are very important and they demonstrate love. Demonstrate, uh, demonstrate love in, in giving. Look for opportunities that you can share with somebody something at a time that they need. Um, give them your presence and your participation. You know, whenever, whenever you can go to a party, I have a man who has a birthday party tomorrow afternoon, and uh, we're going we're gonna to be picked up tomorrow morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, and Brother Rice, bless his little heart, he's going to pick us up and bring us to the airport, and it's going to be a little bit of a long day, we're going to arrive, we're going to come, and there's a man who recently had a stroke, but they have a birthday party for him tomorrow afternoon, and everything within me is going to go, want to go home and study the back of my eyelids, <laughs> but I know I need to go. Because providing my presence and my participation will be meaningful to him, 
to his two precious daughters, to his wife, and to others that go. And you can provide your presence and your participation uh, and express it through your presence. Express it through your words. Um, express it in written form. One of the things that we have, we have missed today, and that is we do not write uh, down things. We think a text is just the same. We think an email means the same. Sometimes the written word. You know, when God wanted us to know he loved us, you know what he did? He wrote it down. Yeah, even the little children sing it. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. You know a note from someone tells them you're thinking about them when you're not with them? One day I had a man call me and said, my uncle died. I said, I don't even think I know you. Who's your uncle? He told me my name. Is, my, my uncle's name is John. I said, I know John. His last name was Kennedy. He wasn't the president of the United States, but uh, his name was John Kennedy. And John was a very faithful man. He loved the Lord. He gave out gospel tracts. He was retired, but he followed, walked around and gave out gospel tracts. He said, he said, Pastor, I don't know who you are, but I know that you meant something to my uncle. Can you meet me at his apartment? I went over there and met him at his apartment, and I saw the bed where John passed, uh, passed away and transitioned from this life into God's presence. He said, you know how I know that you're important to my uncle? I wish I had some, but I don't have any of them. Look over there at his table beside his nightstand. And there were about 10 to 15 notes that I had written him. Amen. And they hit him right there on the thing. He said, I don't know who you are. I wish I had a note in there, but I don't. And the reason I don't is because I never wrote my uncle. He said, but you must have mattered to him because I knew to call you because look at all those notes. Now, I'm not a great example of that. But, you know, learning to love people, write it down. Verbalize it. Provide your presence, your participation. These are things that we can all do. You don't have to be a college graduate. You don't have to be a pastor to show love. You don't have to be a man. You don't have to be a woman. You, you, you have to be one of those two. <laughs> but uh, you got to figure out what, what it is that God's made you to do to love and to generate love to other people. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to hasten real quickly, if we can please, to go to Psalm 78. In Psalm 78, of course, one of our larger psalms of our Bible, Psalms 119, 176 verses there, but this one has 72 verses, which is fairly long. But it sets up as a statement that there's a problem. And the problem is... God wants the next generation and even people who have not been born to put their hope in God and to know about Him and His ways. One of the problems that this world has, we're in a hole of no hope. And you can find religious people. One of the ways you can talk to someone who is religious is ask them, what do you believe? Tell me, are you happy believing that? Boy, a lot of people, they can tell you what they believe, but they're not really happy. This doesn't give them the satisfaction, internal satisfaction. And you know, the truth of the matter is, God wants everyone to have hope in His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, I think of Ron Hamilton, my, my hope is Jesus. I love that song. It reminds me, and I, every time I hear that song, I get excited. My hope is Jesus, the anchor of my soul. Anchor, you like, that? You like that, that word over there, don't you, Brother Turner? It's the name of his church, isn't it? But he's the anchor of our soul. 
Our hope is to be in you. And God wants everybody to know that. And he had planned for Israel to be used of God to get the gospel out. The rest of the, the, uh, the psalm talks about the failures of Ephraim, people who believed God, people who didn't believe God. He said, oh, can God set up a table in the wilderness? Yes, he can, he can do that. There's nothing too hard for him. And all through the, 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 the Psalm 78, you'll find examples of people who failed to believe God and who failed to propagate hope in God. Who failed to train the next generation, the children that would be born. There was no hope. But the key to God getting his gospel to the ends of the earth and to, to change that ended up in the hands of a man. At the end of the, of the psalm, he says, God chose David. I want you to notice a couple of things. Go to Psalm 70, verse 71, 72. I won't take a long time this evening. Psalm 78, I'm sorry. The verse 70, 71, 72. The way, the, the way God chose to get the gospel and get hope into the hearts of people was a man. And I think we've heard this already today. in Pastor Rice, after we heard Brother Dan Crumball and Miss Sherry's testimony today, and Brother Dan preached to us this morning a great message on what you find in Psalm, in First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. You find you, you find your cares, and you find your God in that. Great message. But he said after he got done, I wish every community had a Dan Crumball in it. You know, that's not just Brother Rice's wish. That's, that's God's wish. <laughs> There needs to be a man. I sought for a man among them that would make up the heads, that would pray and intercede for God. Job says, is there not a daysman out there? Is there not somebody that can intercede between God and man? Is there not somebody that could do that? Paul would, would challenge the men. You've got, to, you've got to do that. I need somebody to do that. You stay here, here. You go over there. You do this. Why? Because every place needs somebody to step up. And we have great examples of that in this very room. We've got some of them that are watching online that are men and women of God who have already been saved and have already surrendered their hearts to the Lord and are standing in the gap. And then we have other folks that they're thinking something different. But when God wanted the world to hear about Christ, he said, I chose a man. His name was David. I want you to notice several things about David that we see in these, in these three verses. Verse 70, look at it. Number one, he chose David. David was selected. He was selected by God. A Paul said it like this, I, I, I thank Christ Jesus my Lord that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I believe with all my heart in Canada, in Hammond, Indiana, in Florida, in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, God is calling men and women to serve the Lord. He's calling you because you are the answer to the hope of those who sit in darkness. He said, I chose David. The ministry is a calling. It's a selection. And God is calling. Are you willing to pick up the phone? Come on. Do you have some other thing? Don't run away from the call of God. Run to the call of God. Amen. God leaves his best to those who leave the choice up to him. Amen. Trust him. What do you want to plan? You can never out, you can never out uh, give the Lord. Amen. That's 
He, he can take your little and make it much. I've never, I've wasted a lot of things in my life. I have. I, I, I've gone to the store when I'm hungry. Bad idea. You just buy stuff you should never buy. And more of it than you need. I've, I've, in, I've anticipated, oh, I'm going to get this thing, I'm going to get that. And I get it. And three days later, I said, man, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. I wish I wouldn't have bought that. You know, I, my wife and I, we have nine kids, so we've had a large vehicle. If we kept having kids, we are going to get a Greyhound bus, you know. It's getting out of control. But, boy, when you got big vehicles, you want to get good prices on gas and fuel, you know. And I, and I don't know if you guys call it petroleum or petro, whatever it is. I, I want to get good good gas prices. Boy, sometimes I, when you got a big van, you think, okay, oh, oh that's going to be, that's, that's good. That's going to be a good gas price. I'm going to get that, you know. I pull over and I fill it up. And then I go about eight miles down the road or kilometers, and I see it about Ten cents cheaper. I said, man, I wasted that money. I wish I would have done that. But you know, I have never given anything to God that I felt like it was wasted. He knows how to take your little and make it much. He makes it instantly more. And when you serve God, you can always expect more than you can expect. And He helps you. He gives you His grace. Listen, friends, if there's someone here tonight, it might be a man, it might be a lady, but there's a time and you're saved and you know you're saved. You know you have Jesus as your Savior, but you have never let Jesus have you as his servant. You got your own ideas. You got your own passion. You got your own careers in mind. You got your own things going. And maybe that's what God wants for you. And if he's not calling you, don't pick up the phone. But if you have an impulse in your heart that you're supposed to do something for God, Good night in the morning. Come on. Say yes to him. Amen. Say yes. Amen. Don't miss out on what God. The only thing about the will of God you ought to be a little bit nervous about is missing out on it. Right. Not doing what God called you to do. Amen. The ministry is a selected ministry. And he says, I chose David. Amen. But the ministry is not just selected. And by the way, all of us ought to say yes to the Lord. Whatever he wants to do. You say, Pastor, I don't know what God wants me to do. Join the club. You know how you find out doing what God wants you to do? You just keep being what God wants you to be. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, that's, that's, that's nothing new. I would have never dreamed in a thousand lifetimes I'd be standing in front of you tonight. But you know how I got here? I just kept being what God wanted me to be. And then it was time for me to show up in Canada. <laughs> That's what happened. Amen. You know, wherever you're going to go, don't worry about that. Just be what you ought to be. Surrender to the will of God. And then the plan of God is very customized to you. You're not like me. I'm not like you. You're not like anybody else in this whole world. So the plan of God is very unique for you. But the will of God is very generic for all of us. It's just, it, you just say, what's the plan? What's the will of God? Well, the will of God, I know he's not willing that any should perish. So if you're on your way to hell, stop. <laughs> and get saved. God doesn't want you to get. And if you're saved, help someone else get saved. God's will is that we're, not, we're to be holy. We're supposed to be holy. Be not conformed to this world. Be you transformed by the room of your mind. You may prove what's that good and acceptable and perfect. Yeah, that I be holy to the Lord. God's will is I be sanctified. Morally clean. First Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says, This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. 
If you're in any kind of immorality, any kind of filthy text or, or sexting or doing any kind of nasty stuff or you got this other side, uh, side show on your computer where you're talking to somebody else or watch, hey, stop that. Amen. Mortify that. Amen. Put that to death. You know, I'm not doing that. There's nothing good in that. There's nothing but a, but a, a downward spiral of, of destruction and disease and problems inside and outside. Don't do that. He said, this is the will of God, that you abstain from anything that's immoral. Amen. I know that's the will of God. It's the will of God that I be submissive. First Peter chapter 2, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to submit ourselves to the ordinances of man as unto the Lord. He said, because this is the will of God. I don't do that because I appreciate the government. I don't do that because of I, of, uh, of I agree with everybody. I do that because God told me to. And it's the will of God. It's also God's will that I be thankful. And everything give thanks for this is the... Amen. That I be satisfied and thankful and appreciative. Boy, I think one of the greatest sins of Christianity is a failure to be grateful. When you're not thankful, when someone said when the fires of gratitude die out in the heart of a man, that man is well nigh hopeless. When someone is not grateful and appreciative... They'll start getting things. They'll turn into covetousness, which is idolatry and worshiping other things and think they deserve more than they have. But godliness with is great. Yeah. We know these are the will of God. And be in the will of God, but realize that some of you, God is knocking. Open the door. Could you imagine on that day whenever Jesus fed the 5,000? 5,000 men plus women and children. Do you think there was only one sack lunch in the whole group? I don't think so. I think he found one. There were other people that were, there were many people that were there. There are other people that were prepared. But there's only one that was willing. He gave his lunch. And you know what God did with his lunch? He broke it and he blessed it. There might be some dreams that God might say, you know what, that's not going to be for you. Not in this lifetime, maybe in the millennium. <laughs> but this is, this is what I have for you. I'm going to break some things. I'm going to work you over a little bit, but I'm going to use you to bless multitudes. He chose David. Number two, ministry is not only selected, but it's a service ministry. He said, I've chose David my servant. And, of course, that's the theme of the night is to be a servant leader, learning to serve. Not to be served. Not to go about to get everybody to take care of us. But what can I do to turn that around and help other people in this process? When we learn to bear one another's burdens, God bears our burdens. He helps us with that. The ministry is a ministry of selection. Ministry is a ministry of service. I find also it's a ministry of shepherding. Would you look, if you would, please, in chapter or, or Psalm 78, verse 70. He chose David also his servant. And took him from where? Sheepfolds. Sheep We've learned a little bit about sheep. If you haven't learned anything about sheep, you've seen a lot of sheep while you've been here for these three days. I've seen more sheep in the last three days than I've seen in my entire life, I think. At least pictures of them. But you know, David was chosen from the shepherd fields. You know, shepherds should smell like sheep. And he picked some people that knew how to care. Uh, expectant ewes. That, that needed someone to watch them, tip them up, take care of them, keep them from getting more uh, challenged by disease and infection. 
Somebody who understood the world of people, understood the world of the shepherd. He, he chose David because ministry is a, is a selected ministry. It's a serving ministry. It's a shepherding ministry. You know, everybody needs to shepherd somebody. At the Cornerstone Baptist Church, this is not the only shepherd. There are other people that need to shepherd. There's somebody that needs you to step up and to help them and to love them. Don't just be a taker. Find out. Lord, well, let me be a, a channel, not a can. Let me be a funnel, not a bucket. Let me not be someone continue. Help me know who do I need to shepherd. Mamas, you're shepherding those children. Teachers, you're shepherding a class. Wherever it is that God's given you, you ought to say, Lord, who is it I can shepherd? You ought to make someone else's spiritual maturity your personal responsibility. Who is it that you could lovingly care for them and encourage them? Your pastor can only do so many. All of us ought to be involved. And by the way, when you help someone else, God helps you. Whoever does the teaching and the shepherding, they get the benefit. We find that all through the scriptures. But ministry is a chosen ministry. Ministry is a serving ministry. Uh, ministry is shepherding, caring for people. I don't think it's glamorous. I just think it's, ne it's necessary. Yeah. It's necessary to everybody get involved with that. Then I want you to notice that ministry is a stewardship. Look at the next verse, would you please? Psalm 78, verse 71. He chose David, verse 70. He was a servant. He took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob. Would you notice the next pronoun? What does it say? His people. And Israel, what's the next word? Inheritance. May I tell you, I just want to remind you, nothing you have belongs to you. Your house is not your house. Your car is not your car. Your health is not your health. Your kids are not your kids. Your church is not your church. The pulpit is not your pulpit. The people are not your people. We have to understand real quick. You get a check up from the neck up. Everything that's going on here is from the Lord. I own nothing. The earth is the Lord. The fullness are of the world and all they do. Now listen, let me tell you. I, I, I think I do sometimes. But that's not legitimate. He said, you know what? I understand about David. David got it. I took him from serving the sheepfold to take care of my flock and my inheritance. Ministry is a stewardship. It's shepherding. It's serving. It's selection. And then the last two things we see in verse 72. Let's look at it and we'll conclude our message tonight. And he fed them. And I just want, I, may I just back up and say, listen, be a sincere steward. Don't, don't think you own anything. You know, the Bible says, what is your, you're, 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 you're not even, you don't even own your own body and your soul. That belongs to God. Your times are in His hands. You don't, none of us can guarantee that our casket's not in town today. Just a few days, all of us are going to stand before God. But realize that whatever God's given you in your hands, it is your talents I love to see the talented group here playing instruments. But that's not your talent. If your talent, do what you want to with it. If your house is your house, then do what you want to with it. 
If your car is your car, then do what you want to. If your money is your money, then do what you want to. But it's not. It belongs to God. It's His. And the greatest Christians live in the understanding that, look, I belong to God. And everything I have belongs to God. And you know, you need to be content with the pace that God has you on and the place God has put you in. Some of you, you don't like where you live. You don't like where you're at. You're fired up about it. And I don't care if you want to complain to God, knock yourself off, knock yourself out, but I wouldn't do it. I think you have to realize if I, if wherever I am at, God put me here. If you're in Canada, stay in Canada. Unless God takes you somewhere else. Be content with the pace and the place that God has us. You know, God knows exactly what time it is in my life and yours. Now, we're a very impatient people. If you go through drive through and get you something from A&W and it's not fast, hey, come on, man, what's going on here? <laughs> we go through Tim Hortons and they don't hurry up. Okay, come on, this, is, this world's going to pot. It's terrible. We want, hey, come on, what's going on? We want everything now, don't we? You know, the Bible says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. If God knew when to bring Jesus in the world, he knows what next step to take me and you on. Then the Bible says he'll guide them by the integrity of his heart and with the skillfulness of his hands. He said, you know what I know about David? He has integrity of heart. You know, one of the greatest things where Kevin and I were talking today about this. He said, Pastor, is there anything you feel like you can give me advice on working with young people? I don't know exactly what to do. You know, usually they say when you have teenagers, you put them in a box and you little hole in there and just feed them into the hole for about three or four years, you know. And when they turn, you know, 15 or 16, just plug the hole. No, no, uh, that's not true. That's not what I told him. What I suggest to him, you know, one thing that, that young people can catch pretty quickly is sincerity. Integrity. You, know, you just don't have to be flashy. Just be faithful. Be a real good Christian. Be someone who genuinely loves God and loves others. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 8, 3, if any man love God, the same is known of him. You don't have to go around and say, hey, I love God, man. Hey, hey, I love God. No, you're not going to have to say that. Everybody's going to know. That girl loves the Lord. That guy loves the Lord. He said, you know, when he, when he takes care of my people, he's going to do it with sincerity and integrity. And we got critical spirits, don't we? I had a friend of mine tell me, yeah, my spiritual gift is criticism. I said, that's not a spiritual gift. <laughs> you know him? Yeah. Uh, Brother Newman told me that. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. But you know, the truth of the matter is, we all, we have to be careful. Because we have, we have pride that hides. We got criticisms, and all of a sudden we can spot somebody's problem so fast. And we don't know. We got a telephone pole in our own eye trying to get a splinter out of somebody else's eye. Be sincere in your walk with the Lord, in your ministry. And then, number last, he said he'll guide them with the skillfulness of his hands. Listen, whatever it is that God's helped you to do, get better at it. There's always room for improvement. There's always things we can do a little different. One of the things, I just say this, and, I, and I'm grateful for it. I, I want to be like you in this area. I sense in, in the men and women who've come and desire to say, you know, I'd like to improve on that. That helped me. A teachable spirit. 
You know, someone told me years ago, said, Pastor, or Brother John, these are three qualities of great Christians. Number one, they will want to do whatever's right. They're focused on what's right. Not what's convenient, popular, comfortable, but what is right. Great Christians. Number two, they'll be quick to confess and correct when they're wrong. How long does it take you to apologize when you mess up? How long does it take you to reconcile with someone? Does it take three or four days for you to start talking to them again? Does it take them having to come to you and work things out? Are you, are you quick to reconcile when you're wrong? And then number three, great Christians. Not only will they be consumed with right, they'll quickly confess wrong, but they will be teachable. They want to know. You know the Bible tells us. You know this verse. I think if I started, you could all quote it with me. Trust in the Lord with all thine and lean not to thine own. You know, there's some things, friends, that we get, we know. And we've got to be very careful that we don't lean on our own things that we understand. Even if you say, well, I've done this a thousand times. I know how to do a funeral. I know how to do this. Oh, boy, that's where you've got to be careful. Don't lean on things you think you get. In everything we do, we need to learn to say, God, help me in this situation. Give me a right, sincere spirit and give me skillfulness. To improve whether it's preaching, whether it's soul winning, whether it's discipling people, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class, leading a singing, helping as an usher, whatever it is God's made you. Lord, help me to develop skillfulness. If it's giving, giving is a giving is a learned thing. We we have a you know, we want to get all we can, can all we get, sit on our can and tell people how much we have in our can. <laughs> but that's not God's way. Learning to give is something that we have to do. And sometimes the more people got more money and more possession God gives, the less percentage-wise they give. They raise their standard of living, but not their standard of giving. It's something we can learn to do more aggressively. We can look to see, what can I do here? What can I help with? Sometimes we lean on understanding. How could the world hear and have hope in God? When someone's selected to serve, when someone is a servant, when someone is willing to shepherd people, when someone is willing to understand, it's not mine, it's his. When someone is sincere and will do so out of the integrity of their heart, I can't see your heart, your motives, but God can. Because I know what he'll do. He will do this out of the integrity of his heart and with the skillfulness of his hands. Let's pray together. Can we please? Servant leadership. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, is God speaking to your heart this evening? Is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, I, I don't know. I don't know everything about everything, but I do know if I died, I have eternal life. My faith is in Jesus. I know I'm saved. Would you lift your hand if you know that? And put your hand down and thank God for your salvation. Think about when... And what God did to bring you to Christ and thank Him for saving you right now. Is there anybody who would say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I died, I have eternal life, but I am concerned about it. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I died, I have eternal life. I'm not, my, my mom thinks I'm saved. My friends think I'm saved. But I'm not. I'm not sure I have eternal life. I am concerned about it. Please pray for me. Would you lift your hand? Anybody like that? Listen. The world's greatest mistake is to go to hell over a mistake. 
listen, don't, don't, don't let pride or procrastination keep you from accepting Jesus. I'm going to say, Pastor, I, I think God's calling me. I think God's put his finger on my life. Maybe it's been for a while or maybe it's right now. That God's speaking to my heart and I need to say yes to him. I don't know what that means for my future, but I need to just settle it. I belong to God, and if he wants to use me, he can. Is there anybody like that tonight? Would you lift your hand? Anybody like that? Say, I think that's me. I think that's me. God's speaking to my heart. He's calling, and I want to surrender myself to do whatever he wants me to do. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there any others? You need to have that time where you just say, okay, God, I don't know what, I, I, what you want me to do, but I want to surrender to your will, and then you customize what you want for my future. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you do that. God bless you. Are there others? You may put your hands down. Anybody else? God bless you, sweet sister. Sir, God bless you. Oh, this is wonderful. Listen, if you lifted your hand, here's my encouragement. You need to, t- you need to have a conversation with God. Say, God, please, I don't know exactly what this means, but I want you to have my life, and I want you to do whatever you want with it. You'll never be afraid of that. You'll never, that's the only thing you have to be afraid about is not doing it. Don't, and by the way, wherever God puts a period, Satan's going to put a question mark. The moment you thought about raising your hand, the devil said, no, you can't do that. You'll never be able to. Oh, no, come on, what are you doing? That's not God talking to you about that. That's the devil. He's a great, he's the sinister minister of doubt. Maybe you know what God wants you to do. Maybe you've already surrendered some time and you've kind of come off the altar and you need to get back on it. Say, Lord, I want you to use me. Let's stand together while, Miss Lane, if you'd please play that organ, that'd be great. Let's respond to the Lord right now. Come, would you? Come, if you need to stand, that's fine. You need someone to pray with you, you come and we'll have someone pray with you. Find a place and talk to the Lord. Ask Him for help. Ask Him for help. There may be a lady here that you're thinking about this too. Maybe it's God's working in you or working your husband. He's working in someone and your children. Mom and dad, don't be reluctant for your kids to serve Christ. Rejoice. That God would let them. God speak into your heart. I hope you'll speak to your pastor. Speak to, on Sunday. Go, go tell him. I feel like God wants me to serve him. I don't know to what capacity, but I want to do that. I think it's a good idea. I'll never forget the day that God touched my life. And I didn't know what I was going to end up doing for him, but it was a good day when I surrendered to him. Have you have that? Do you have that day? How many would raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, I already had that day. I know when I surrendered to serve the Lord. Yeah, that's great. If you don't have a day like that, you need a day like that. Whatever it is keeping you from doing that, don't let that happen. On the altar, the invitation is still open. I wonder how many how many cities across our province have no gospel preacher 
because somebody's sitting in a meeting like this and God spoke to their heart the way he's speaking to your heart right now and they said no I'd be in hell right now if it weren't for a faithful layman who said I God I'm responsible to share Christ with my co-workers and I've got to go and I've got to tell them about Jesus. I'm sure glad he said yes to Christ. Amen. I'm sure glad my pastor who mentored me, shepherded me as a teenager, said yes to Christ. I'm sure excited for the ministries that are represented here that you've said yes. Maybe tonight there's someone still battling with God. The greatest life, the greatest life is a surrendered life. I mean this with all my heart. There's nothing in the world, absolutely nothing, that I would rather do than serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember thinking there was when I was 13 when I made a decision to surrender my life to Christ. I remember thinking I was giving up so many things. This preacher said, that was a devil lying in my ear. I've given up nothing for Jesus Christ, but he sure gave up everything for me. Let's pray together, Lord, I pray you'd seal these many decisions made here tonight. Lord, I don't know the hearts. Lord, I know my heart this evening. I know that I've been stirred, Lord, to be a better shepherd. Lord, I know that I've been stirred to become more skillful with that which you want me to do. Lord, there may be some here tonight who for the very first time said yes to you in this matter of ministry and service. Lord, I pray it would not just be an emotional feeling at altar. I pray it would not be just a prayer that was prayed. Lord, I pray it would be a decision that would change the trajectory of their life and change the trajectory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray you'd seal them. Lord, I pray you'd help them. Lord, I know that Lord, immediately after getting up off the altar, immediately after leaving this building, the devil is going to come. I know discouragement is going to come. Lord, I pray you'd have every person, Lord, that maybe made a decision like that tonight, Lord, I pray you to, that they'd be encouraged to go and tell their pastor, Lord, that they could have their shepherd, their under-shepherd, encourage them and help them. Um, have a one to lean on. Lord, would you use everything that's been done this week. Lord, we're in awe of how good you are. We thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for these dear folks. I thank Amen. you for our church family. Amen. Lord, I love them. Lord, I thank you that they love others. I thank you for these preachers here and these pastors' wives, Lord. The unsung heroes in this room, the dear ladies that stand by their husbands. Amen. The long nights and difficult time, Lord, I pray you bless them. Lord, I pray that they would know they're valued and treasured in your sight. Lord, I pray you'd bless everyone tonight. Lord, I pray you'd use all the decisions. Lord, I pray we'd take, Lord, the dump truckload of truth that we've been given this week. And Lord, we wouldn't get rid of it. But God, we'd sort through it shovel by shovel. God, we'd remember, we'd use it, put it in practice. And Lord, would you dismiss us tonight with your grace. Lord, would you bless us as we go our separate ways. God, would you give protection on the roads and the airways. And, uh, Lord, just help us. Lord, to go across this country and set this place on fire 
Lord, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 You can be seated just for a moment. And I know the hour's late, and I think.